0: Good morning. This is attorney Vincent Davis and you're on the radio with Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of this show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. I also want to remind our listeners that in California, uh, juvenile dependency judges, uh, otherwise known as superior court judges, are subject to election or re-election. So keep that in mind when it comes time to vote. This morning, we are going to be talking about a couple of topics. If I have time, I'm going to discuss a a couple of cases that I was involved in uh, this past week. And I've gotten a number of emails where uh, folks want me to talk about um, suing social workers and counties. Um, Part of our practice is also dedicated to representing people uh, whose civil rights have been violated and uh, suing social workers in federal or state court for violations of those civil rights. Uh, We have a number of cases going against social workers, and I've been involved in those types of cases uh, for years. I had stopped doing it for a period of time but I'm now back uh, because I keep seeing that the, the violations uh, of people's rights are getting, it seems to me, getting worse and worse. But right now I'm going to jump on the phone. We have a lot of calls in our queue, and I'm going to take our first call from area code 805, ending in 07. Good morning. I'm with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hello. Good
1: morning. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Do you
0: have a story to share? Good morning. Did you have a story to share or a question? To I answer? sure do.
1: I oh, have a story to share with ask. you. Well, Go I'm ahead. involved in a case where uh, I was I have a bad lawyer. My lawyer is just has not informed me of what to do correctly, therefore I missed my appeal date and I, I'm wondering what I could do about that.
0: Well, Um, If you want to appeal, generally in um, juvenile dependency cases, if you're appealing from the jurisdiction and the dispositional hearing, you have 60 days to appeal. If you're appealing from the termination of your family reunification services, either after the disposition or generally after a six-month review hearing, six or 12 or 18 month review hearing, you have to have a special type of appeal called a writ. And you have to file a notice of intent to file a writ within, I believe it's seven days after the hearing. Um, also, if you're going to be appealing from the termination of your parental rights, you have 60 days to file that notice of appeal. In California, in most appeal, juvenile dependency appeals, if you can't afford an attorney, the state of California will provide you with an appellate attorney uh, at no cost. Or you can go, just as you can in the trial court case, you can hire your own appellate attorney. Do you know which um, hearing you are trying to appeal from?
1: Which hearing? Uh, It's the, uh, the, I believe the first hearing that was, just to appeal the whole entire case because in my case it, it involved um, um, somebody who forged a letter and it's kind of, and uh, the, the problem with, I think, with, um, with CPS is that they, they believe all the accusations. So I actually was trying to appeal the whole entire trial because it was based on forgery, fraud, and complete lies. Was that the
2: first one sharing? with the first sixty
1: days?
0: Huh? Yes, that was sixty days from when the judge uh, took jurisdiction, made orders, for example, um, made dispositional orders, where the judge may have placed the child in foster care or a relative foster placement, if the child were, you know, was not placed with you. How long ago did this hearing take place?
1: The hearing was in February.
0: February 2016. Yes, 2016. Mhm. Okay, so you had until sometime in April 2016 to file the notice of appeal. Yes. Did anyone ever and, mention? Did anyone? Ever?
1: And no one ever mentioned that to me, and I just had a bad um, attorney who said this is what I would like your listeners to. Kind of understand is that if somebody is family law they are not dependency court lawyer they are they know nothing about it it's completely a different you know um breed or whatever of you want to say of a uh, of law it's so do not hire a family law attorney for your dependency court case
0: oh i see that's what happened to you you didn't use the court appointed attorney, and when you went to hire a private attorney, you hired an attorney who was an expert in family law, not in juvenile law
1: correct and when we got that's in point. there and went to uh-huh, that's correct, and we went into we got there and went into trial, and he didn't know what he was doing and it made me look bad, but um, I didn't use the court attorney because this case was against me and Um, I don't know why, but it seems, I I like to call it the Department of Children and Family Services against mothers, because I'm sure, I mean, they just don't, you know, really uh, represent you well. And um, so if there's any mothers out there who are having the same problem as me, you have to get an independent dependency court lawyer.
0: You know, you may have a remedy Uh, to fix your situation but you your six-month review date should be coming up pretty soon is it coming up
1: yes that's right it's coming up in September okay but I would like to see that yeah I was trying to get that so that she could start school in uh, August but um, yes by uh,
0: yeah there's a couple of things that you can do number one you can make a motion to set aside the jurisdictional and dispositional uh, court findings and orders based upon the ineffective assistance of counsel in juvenile in juvenile dependency law um, i believe there is supposed to be some type of inquiry made of a private attorney um as to whether uh, they have competence in order to practice in the Juvenile Dependency Court. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have the competence uh, to practice in Juvenile Court, both experience and educational, um, a lot of, not I won't say a lot of counties, some counties, like in San Diego, sometimes require you uh, to sign a statement saying that you know your attorney is not qualified to practice in juvenile dependency and that you waive that argument in case you ever want to appeal. Now, very rarely, uh, although I have seen it, very rarely does that happen in Los Angeles County. But wh- where was your case? What county?
1: It's in um, Los Angeles County.
0: So. It's- okay. So when. So one of the things you could do then, if that inquiry was not made and if you didn't sign the waiver and you had an attorney that didn't know anything about juvenile dependency, you can make a motion to set aside those findings and orders. Now, that's a tough motion to win, but you can make it. And if if it's denied, you can then appeal that. But you have to make sure you appeal that within the 60 days. And maybe you can then rope in everything that was done to you at the original adjudication and dispositional hearing, thus getting the Court of Appeals to um, address an appeal that you had already missed. The the next thing you could do is you could file a 388 petition and by filing the 388 petition you're asking for certain orders and uh, orders by the judge to be changed. For example, if the child's not living with you, the child's in a foster home or in a relative placement, you can ask the child to be returned to you, or at least get, you know, more liberalized visitations such as unmonitored, unsupervised, and even overnights. Oh. The next thing that that I would, yeah, the next thing I would do, and I would concentrate on, is uh, the six-month review that's coming up. I would sit down with. Well, not your, not this attorney. If this attorney is not, um, you know, competent in juvenile dependency law, but I would sit down with an attorney who is. I would come up with a strategic plan in order to plan um, in case the social worker doesn't recommend the child, child or children being returned to you at the six month hearing, so that you can set it for a contest and a trial and uh, you would have your witnesses you would have your documents and exhibits and you would have a strategy whereby you could prove to the judge no matter what the social worker says that the children should be returned home um Uh the other remedy that you that you sometimes have in these juvenile dependency cases um and i think it it takes there's a 10-day time limit so You um, have missed the one for February, or yeah, for February of 2016. But sometimes, if you don't have a judge uh, in your case, and there, you know, there are a few people who hear these cases that aren't judges; they're either referees or commissioners. Um, You have the right to ask for a rehearing. And I just thought of that. Uh, You have to file a request for a hearing within 10 days. I just, I just did a case yesterday. where it's in front of a commissioner, and it was the six-month hearing date. And um, uh, six months previously, uh, she had ruled against me uh, on my uh, client basically being in the home with her child. Uh, The child Uh was released to the maternal grant was released to the maternal grandmother, but I wanted my client to, you know, be able to live in the home while she participated in her uh, counseling and parenting and stuff like that. And the judge in this particular commissioner ruled against me. Well, we filed a rehearing. It was granted and we actually had a rehearing Hmm. in front of a superior court judge in the same building. And the judge ruled in my favor and uh, let the child go back home And uh, excuse me, let the mother go back home to live with the mother, the grandmother and the child. And the interesting part about that is, is that I thought, you know, I knew that I could file and get a new judge. But I thought that, uh, you know, things would work out. And then yesterday, the social worker, we had the six month review hearing and the social worker recommended that the case be closed. And then the commissioner who I had appealed, you know, six months ago, ruled that she wouldn't close it unless she was provided certain proof of things that my client was supposed to do, Uh which is interesting because, you know, the social worker was recommending the kid be placed with my client and the case just be closed out. In my opinion, um, judges are supposed to um, be deciding disputed issues of law and fact, not jumping in and putting in their two cents Uh, what they think a case should be done, because a lot of, you know, a lot, the judges don't go out in the field and to these people's homes and they don't visit them. Um, They don't know what's really going on, you know, in the field and at home. It's only um, uh, the social worker and the parents, they're out in the field with the child. So, um, you know, sometimes judges, though, and and they have that authority in some cases to get uh, involved with the case. And now uh, that case had to be set for trial uh, because the social worker wants the case closed. We want the case closed, but the judge wants some proof of something. And, um, you know, we, we plan on presenting that to the judge at the time of the hearing. But anyway, so those are the three things or three or four things that you should consider with your case as you move forward. And the most important part, um, if you can't afford a private attorney, the court will give you a court-appointed attorney, but you should probably call around and you should talk to some private attorneys who do juvenile dependency law. And, you know, right. it's not a lot of attorneys that, that, that do that, and sometimes they're hard to find. But, uh, you know, Google, Google knows all.
1: <laughs> and I want to thank you
0: for your call. I, thank I want to you thank very you much
1: for, for having uh, me. You helped a lot today. Helped.
0: All right. Good luck, ma'am. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go to our next call. It's area code 626, ending in 65. Uh-oh, having some technical difficulty. I'm not able to go to that call for some reason. Let me try another one. Area code 909, ending in 94. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vincent Davis. I can hear you loud and clear. Good morning.
3: Wonderful. I have a couple issues, and uh, I'm just going to state a few of them, uh, you know, in the order that I can. You can stop me whenever you think is... uh, you know, most appropriate. So I have an ongoing CPS case that's been open for about one year now. Um, I had my six-month review yesterday. Uh, when I first uh, received this case, uh, it, it had nothing to do with me. The mother was addicted to methamphetamine. She had a mental illness. She was sent into a mental ward, CPS was called. She caught a, a case uh, through CPS. Uh, I have a, a history of convictions and uh, providing a little support for the child at the time I was incarcerated. I received no services from CPS, um, but I was given uh, visit, visitation rights uh, once a week uh, for two hours once I got out of uh, incarceration. Uh, I've been attending those visits uh, regularly, and uh, the custody uh, was temporarily or whatever it is for me and myself and given to the guardianship of the grandmother, which is the mother's mother. Uh, so to wrap all that up now, I went to my six-month review yesterday, um, and the, the first issue is, is that uh, I have no idea about any of this, but I'm going to start reunification with my daughter coming in the next uh, six to eight weeks when we get that started from yesterday's date, can you give me give me any advice or information, or um, that would be a, of a positive effect on my uh, ongoing TPS case, or what may take place in the next uh, three months? That's the first well, question.
0: Let me ask. Okay, so I'm I'm a little bit confused about the story, but let me see if I understand. The mother got in trouble with drugs while you were incarcerated. They took the child away from the mother and away from you, and now they gave the child to the grandmother, and you just had your first six-month hearing. Is that correct?
3: Okay, yes. Yes, yes, that's correct. And yesterday, so so the mother was placed into um, uh, in treatment, drug treatment. Um, she completed it. She went into a sober living as of yesterday. She was uh, put on family maintenance. She's allowed back into her mother's house. because custody has been given back to the mother, um, and she is still in dependency court. Um, the accusations against me are, uh, you know, that I ha- uh, have an extensive criminal history and that I've provided little support for my daughter. So that's the accusations against me. Um, does that help at all? Yes.
0: Now, um, okay. what would you like to do? Would you like to get custody? Would you like to get more or better visitation? What would you? I like
3: just want. Um, well, I just want to get visitation rights. She's in a much better place uh, in their care. I believe she can have a much better life. But eventually, once I get my, I'm still a little far away from a desired goals that I have for my life. But I'm doing well, and if I continue doing what I'm doing, I can have a very successful life. I want to be able to take my child, take her ice cream, pick her up from school, have her over tonight, throw a party, do all that good stuff.
0: Okay, so what you should do is you should file a request with the judge through your attorney to request that type of visitation. And I don't know what type of visitation you have now, but you can use a form called a JV-180. And you can just Google that and you can see the form but you should talk to your attorney about filling, and filling that form out properly, uh, providing perhaps some legal points and authorities, and then filing that with the court. Uh, the court's supposed to, within about, I think it's 20 or 21 days, decide whether you should have a hearing. And uh, if you do get a hearing, you can prove, you'll have to prove to the court that it's in the child's best interest to have that type of visitation with you. You know, I don't know all of the details about your case, but the fact that you were incarcerated um, doesn't mean that the child could have been taken away from you at the very beginning of the case. You had the right to be noticed, you had the right to come forward, uh, you know, bring yourself into juvenile court through the Sheriff's Department and the Department of Corrections, and you could have made a plan to have that child placed with a family friend or a family relative. But now that it has all gone by, you may have waived that, and now you're just subject to getting the child uh, for visitation that you want. Are you currently having monitored visitation with the child?
3: I am. Uh, yesterday they tried to limit my visits. For the last six months, I have been getting weekly visits with my daughter for two hours each week. And yesterday when I went to court, the social worker's um, recommendation was actually to limit my visits to one time per month for one hour. Uh, there was no, um, grounds for that within the paperwork, um, but just the stated fact that that's what she wanted. So the judge relied upon the information as, uh, you know, not, uh, to give cause or whatever, and he, he remained, he gave me the visits as they are. And if it is an issue, uh, it could be brought up in some type of paperwork. The the social worker can file a packet of some sort in the future. Uh, My personal opinion is is that they put it there to make it an issue, so next time if they want to make it an issue, it's already documented. That's my personal opinion.
0: Oh, no, you're absolutely right about that. So what you should do is you should talk to your attorney to file what's called the JV-180. It's a 388 three eighty eight petition and you should ask for more visitation with the child including weekends week. and overnights because once a
3: week oh, once a
0: week great. for two hours is not very much visitation. How old is the child?
3: Two.
0: Okay. So you, you that years. child gets to need gets to need to know you And you know, if left to the the, uh, devices of the social worker and/or the maternal side of the family, they may be trying to cut you out of the picture. So what I would do is go on a little offensive, cut the you know, go on a little offensive, and fight for your visitation. There's no reason, from what you've told me so far, um, that you should have hours a week visitation once a week. You should be having the child every other weekend at your house, and on those odd weeks when you don't have a visit on the weekend, you should have a weekend, excuse me, an overnight for a day or so with the child. So the minimum type of visitation that I always fight for my clients is, alternating weekends, and then the week that they don't have a weekend visit, a midweek visit where they spend the night from Wednesday night to Thursday, and then they split all the holidays and all the summer vacation. Now, your child is only two years old, so there's no, you know, uh, you know school vacations and stuff, but you've got to um, work those holidays and, and summers into your plan so you can have a lot of contact with this child so you can act and be a father.
3: Um, my my next question of importance that I found out yesterday is that um, the social worker, uh, when my daughter, like let's say she has uh, to see a psychiatrist or she's going to do some type of therapy, uh, I was informed that it's not the caretaker's uh, responsibility to be informed of this stuff, uh, but it's the social worker. And am I the one who's supposed to come to the social worker and request this information, or should the social, should I just be making the social? a worker aware
0: that I want this information and then she's to provide it for me when it happens. Well, you can do she's supposed to, you know, tell you. Your attorney is supposed to tell you and uh, if you're not getting that information, I would email the social worker. It's documented. You can store it and save it. And I would email the social worker, you know, the request that you want that you have the right to know what's going on with your child.
3: Very good
0: advice. Whether it's school, um, medical, or otherwise.
3: Very good advice. Because I just found out uh, re- uh, yesterday that, um, that I actually have the right to be present in the room when she's examined by this doctor. Of
0: course. Of course you do. Yeah, You're, 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 you're the father. It. You have substantial you have substantial rights in California.
3: Okay. And here's the hardest question of them all. Um, I suffer from mental illness and I have transgender issues and um, my daughter is two and because of that um, and this open CPS case, I don't know if there's some kind of, I don't know the technical words like a legality or whatever it is um, that can affect my daughter in a negative way. Um, Now that I have an open case uh, that's going to be open with reunification um, and I suffer from these mental illnesses not that it's gonna be detrimental to her, but that it may be hard for her to understand at two, some of the issues that I'm going through. Um, is there any advice uh, that you can give me in the most appropriate way to approach this so my daughter can understand these issues that I'm facing, that I'm going through, that I'm probably gonna be walking through? and that not there's no problem about it that I'm gonna be walking through in in, in the near future? um at
0: this early stage of dealing with CPS. Well that's a very difficult question. Um I
3: know it is. I know I it think,
0: is I, I I I think that that would best be answered by a counselor or a therapist. Um because I you know, I'm 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 a lawyer. I, I don't, you know, pretend to know anything about issues like that. And I think it's so, best, so be, my you
3: know, I agree with you, but um, now the problem is is that if there is some issue with this in the child, I want to know legally can they bring anything up in court against me that what I am going through in my life is uh, mentally or physically detrimental to my child and that she should not be subject to this type of something. you understand what I'm trying to say?
0: I do, and in my opinion, no. I don't think it be, it can be used against you.
3: Okay. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate right. your time, and, and thank you for answering all my questions. You have a good day.
0: Thank you for calling, sir. All
3: right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Okay, I'm going to take another call. Right now, I'm going to try that call again from area code 626, ending in 6-5. Okay, that's still for some reason. Oh, there it goes. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Okay, no one's saying anything, so I'll go to the next call. Area code 808, ending in 38. Hello. Good morning. You're on with attorney... Hello. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a oh, Did you have a story to share? Questions? Yes, ask, I, or both.
4: Um. Well, I'll start with the story. Um. You know, I I heard the uh, the lady uh, two people ago. Not the man that was just on, but the lady before him. And um. You know, her statement was that the uh, CPS believed all the allegations. Um, or. The social worker believed all the allegations, but in, it seems like the social workers make most of the allegations, and it seems to me like they are not really focused on reunification like they say if they have a previous, you know, something previous with family, their prejudice takes over and you're lost, you're lost. You know, once CPS thinks that they're, that you don't deserve anything, they will, they don't care if it's based on fact or anything. They will just rip you apart and rip your family apart. Mm -hmm. It does seem like that. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, um, I'm going through a case with my son right now and, um, because of. Previous things, the prejudice packed up against him is so inappropriate. And they withhold help. The, I think they're called warrants to get help and to get into classes and stuff, never come. They never come. And my son has been punished for attending a class, an anger management and domestic violence class, in which he never got charged with anything, frankly. But um, just because they couldn't get enough people in the class, they, he and his girlfriend were already signed up, but they couldn't get a third person because it's in a small town, and so that was held against them when he went to court, and his visitation was cut down from um, the previous a uh, couple hours a week to one hour a month, uh, just like the previous gentleman, uh, for no reason, just because CPS said there was a reason. Uh, i, I I'm, I'm kind of disjointed, but that's that's a reality of it. It's uh, um, CPS digging in to make it difficult for the parents.
0: It does seem that way. Can you tell us a little bit more without mentioning names a little bit more about your son's case?
4: Well it's, what um, well, it's off of a previous case and and he wasn't um, his son was born. And went home. And uh, there's been some previous drug use with with the mom, but, um, but when when uh, my son's when my grandson was born, he he was clean, and um, the mom was clean, and they. Um, uh, but my son was in Hawaii with me, trying to. He had a job, and he was getting ready to uh, have his have his family move there. Um, and I had spoken to the mom all through the pregnancy and helped her through it. And, you know, I, I really believed in her. And, um, the next day, um, she took the baby home, you know, signed off by the hospital. And, um, the next day CPS came up and said that the child was in danger and the child was sick and had altitude sickness and couldn't be up at that high altitude. And they took the baby away with no, um, positive drug tests or anything no nothing that said oh this couple shouldn't have the baby and then on top of that my son wasn't even in this state in California and he was charged with child endangerment when he wasn't even here and of course that was held against him so um, you know it's yeah they they just go out of their way to um, they seem they seem to make up their mind before anything is decided. Frankly, before they even have information, they've made up their mind. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's really heartbreaking.
0: Did uh, your son have an attorney that helped him uh, when the case was brought against him?
4: No, no, no. He had a public attorney who signed off on everything. Wouldn't wouldn't answer questions. Wouldn't speak up. Wouldn't basically wouldn't do anything and my son was just in the wind you know i mean there was somebody standing there getting paid but my son was in the wind with no help whatsoever there was never any advice never any oh if you do this you can do this do this there was nothing like that it's just like okay you have a hearing um (laughs) show up and that's about it
0: did your son ever have a trial to fight this?
4: No. Um, there's one coming up you know, where they're trying to um, they're trying to take the um, uh, they're trying to take away parental rights. Even though my son has never been convicted for anything, he's never um, been accused of anything. He's um, nothing. You know, he's never tested positive for drugs. it is
0: but did your son ever have a trial before
4: the trial that's coming up to take
0: his rights away
4: um he had a hearing from what i understand i just moved back into this state because i was in a, in a different state with my um my my mom who was very very sick who just passed away so i i've only been here for about two months right now So I wasn't. I wasn't here. Go ahead. Had the social worker? Had the
0: social workers ever contacted you to take custody of these of your son's children?
4: No, no, not at all. No one has ever contacted me.
0: Would you have taken custody of uh, your grandchild?
4: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, if 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 I had to move back here to do it, I would do it. Um, at the time, like I say, I was taking care of, you know, a sick mom in a different state, but, um, of course I would have taken, you know, there's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I would have taken.
0: So the the law requires, um, within 30 days of them filing a case to, to search and do due diligence to find all relatives, and to contact them regarding placement of the child. You know, and, and that's rarely done, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of the excuses that I get are, um, well, the, the, um, the parent didn't tell me about any relatives. And as I read the law, and, you know, not everybody agrees with me, but as I read the law, the social worker is, is supposed to go out and try to find the relatives, and um, try to uh, talk to them independent of the parents, because what happens a lot of times is the child is placed with a foster ch- a foster home. The relatives aren't really um, searched for, and then the child uh, ends up being adopted by the foster home outside of the family. But had Absolutely. the social worker Absolutely. had the social worker tried to find the relative. You know, um, the relative could have been contacted and would have said, "Yes, I'll take the child."
4: Oh, absolutely. They In could my have just opinion, asked Absolutely.
0: They yeah. yeah. In my opinion, a lot of this is money-driven, um, and it's just a shame that uh, so many kids end up being adopted outside of the family because the relatives weren't um, weren't considered. You know, there was a I think there was a lawsuit uh, some time ago and uh, the county of San Francisco actually does this search and they use an outside service where um, they contact relatives and ask them if they're uh, interested in, um, you know, placing the children, having the children placed with them, no matter where they are in the country or in the world. But still, you know, there's a little, I think, hanky panky going on with that. I, I spoke to a relative about a year ago who was indeed contacted at the beginning of the case. But um, the relative informed me that the person that was calling them was calling them to notify them and, and basically to talk them out of uh, taking the child into their custody. Because when you're a relative and you take a child into your custody, Um, you're entitled to medical insurance, you're entitled, you know, through Medi-Cal or through the state, you're entitled to receive payment to take the child, take care of the child. And in this particular case, um, the relative reported to me that uh, the person who called them said, oh, the the child has a lot of medical issues, Um, you know, you'd have to pay for that and you wouldn't get any uh, support for the child. So you, you really probably don't want to take the child. And the relative at that time said, well, if that's the case, I don't want to take the child. And well, it was reported well, back. It was it was reported back to the juvenile judge, talked to relative so-and-so.
4: She doesn't want the kid. But that yeah. wasn't the whole story. Well, they, that something, something similar happened to me is that, that the uh, social worker uh, told me that the court wouldn't adopt the um child out to, um, a grandparent because the grandparent would probably just give it back to the, um, to the parent that they had deemed irresponsible. So they, they you know, that's, I was, I was told that I was told that I know, I, well, I know, I now know that they, they're, they're, they're playing, they're playing me, you know, they have made up their mind, you know, and, and they told me that, that, um, uh, that, was, that was at the beginning of my son's first case. This is a long-term thing with CPS. This is a long-term thing with CPS, and there's never been any charges against my son for anything, no accusations or nothing. And they're doing their hardest to keep my grandson out of our family.
0: You know, I you would know? like you to call my office, make an appointment to talk to me because... You know, I said we were going to talk about suing social workers and stuff. If a social worker told you that you might have a pretty good case against the social worker, because what she told you was a lie to keep the child away from you,
4: would right, you be interested absolutely. in pursuing that case?
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely, okay. absolutely. If you have, I, I was, oh, yeah, if you have. have if you have a, a pencil, I'd like to give you a a piece of paper. I'd like to give you a number to call today to make an appointment, and you don't have to come in um, to the office. We can do this over the phone. If you write this telephone okay. number down, all right. It's 888 Again, so it's triple eight, triple eight, triple eight, triple eight. Okay. Six. 6582 888-6582. 888-6582. So I want to thank you for calling in and I hope to I be speaking your to help. you soon. You will be. Thank you. It. Goodbye. So I, I I really haven't had a chance, you know, we have a lot of calls. I really haven't had a chance to talk about um, suing social workers and uh, counties, but if the listeners, if if you have an experience that you believe your rights were violated, um, please contact me uh, so that we can talk about pursuing a, a case in the federal court or in the state court for violation of civil rights. Uh, let me tell you folks about a case that I just got because it, it mainly covers all of the areas. Most lawsuits against social workers center around three major areas. These aren't exclusive, but there are three major areas. The first major area is um, what I call Fourth Amendment violations, where they illegally detain your child. So what happens, they come out and take your child when they don't have any probable cause, or they come out and take your child when they have a court order, but when you look at the application for the court order, it contains numerous untruths. Give you an example. Um, I was involved in a case, social worker took the child away from the mother, wrote in the report, uh, the counselor for the child says that the mother is emotionally abusing this child. Um, I, in preparation for the trial, I called this therapist, this counselor said, hey, did you tell the social worker that? She said, no, I never said any such thing. i said well in the report and in the declaration it says that you reported to the therapist that that's what she said she said well that's not true that would be the type of violation um, that i'm talking about a fourth amendment violation or them just taking your child without a warrant now the interesting thing is when they first started doing the warrant system which was required by the federal courts uh here in california Um, They would give you a copy of the warrant, the actual court order, and they would give you a copy of the application for the warrant, which is a form, and they would give you the most important thing, the declaration of the social worker, which is a a, a, a couple pages, maybe three, four pages of facts by the social worker being presented to the judge so that they can get that order to detain your child what I noticed in most, if not all counties is they never give you that anymore. And in a case that we're about to bring against uh, San Bernardino County, um, I had the client go down to the clerk's office to the copy of her file. And that piece of paper, that declaration, strangely enough, isn't in the file. And the only reason why I think, you know, I'm, a conspiracy, conspiracy theory guy, the only reason why I think is because nobody at the social services department wants to know, uh, wants anybody to know what happened. The second type of uh, case that usually happens is um, where they uh, take your child, put your child in a foster home, and the child's child gets abused by the foster parent or by someone in the foster parent's home. Um, and that happens frequently, uh, the counties don't like the public to know that that happens. And I, and I know that it happens frequently because part of my practice also is we represent foster parents who get in trouble for their licenses. And when they get in trouble for their licenses, uh, you know, the state files a case against them, not the county, the state files a case against them. And that court hearing is heard in a totally different building by totally different administrative law judges. So judges in juvenile court thinking that they're detaining these children from, quote, unquote, dangerous or risky parents, placing these children in foster home, I don't know if they have an idea that a lot of these foster homes are perpetrating abuse against children. We have a case right now where the children were taken away from the parents, placed in a foster home and they were sexually abused by another child in the foster home, an older child. I think the kids in this case were about four and five, and then there was a 12- or 13-year-old child who apparently had a history of uh, sexually. abuse. Um, we haven't gotten all the details yet, but that child was abusing the four- and five-year-old. Uh, the third type of uh, claim that you can have against a social worker, is where the social worker writes things that are untrue in a report and submits that report to a judge. Now, currently, I think there are four or five, I forget the number, of social workers who are being criminally prosecuted by the district attorney of Los Angeles County. And part of the prosecution is that they lied in reports to the juvenile judge. Now, juvenile judges, you know, a lot of times believe that social workers are telling them the truth. But here we got four social, four or five social workers, you know, and supervisors who are not telling the truth and they are being criminally prosecuted for it. I was just involved in a case where um, a social worker admitted in a videotaped deposition, we were suing her for civil rights violations, that, the declaration she signed under penalty of perjury in the civil rights case contains contained things that she knew were false. So she knowingly lied to a federal judge. She also admitted that comments that she presented to this federal judge were frauds, were fraudulent documents And she knew that they were fraudulent when she submitted them to the federal judge through her attorney. My client did file a complaint about that. I think that she was uh, interviewed by the uh, FBI or the federal authorities, but nothing has happened about that so far. Uh, And here's a lady, you know, she's a supervisor right now with the Department of Children and Family Services. And I asked her in the deposition, I asked her, I said, hey, did you, did you create these false documents? And she said, no. I said, well, who created them? Her answer was, I don't know. I just found them in the file. And I followed that, up, that questioning up with, well, my client didn't create those false documents. It had to be someone in your department because that's the only per- people that have access to that file. She agreed. She agreed that the, it had to be someone in her department at the Department of Children and Family Services filling out false paperwork. case right now um, against a social worker who allegedly forged our client's signature on documents to get information to try to use against our client to take her child away. So those are the major, the three major areas of um, lawsuits there there are others but those are the three majors so if you or anyone that you know uh, has any of these things happening to them or happen to them please have them give me a call Triple eight, triple eight, six five eight two. 888 6582 make an appointment to talk to me make sure that when you call the office that you request to talk to me personally um, we have a number of people in our office, and sometimes people uh, get uh, forwarded or sidetracked to someone else in the office uh, who may not be as up to speed as I am on these issues, and they may get, uh, get some bad advice or wrong information, or the, their case may be turned down. So when you call, please ask to speak to me. Um, we're running out of time. I'm going to try to take uh, one last call. Uh, It's area code 626 ending in 1-2. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hello? Uh, Hello. Hello? How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. Did you have a story to tell or questions to ask or both?
2: I had a story. Um, My 17-year-old daughter, I...
0: Oh. Ma'am, I'm having difficulty hearing you you're going in and out hello do you have good signal where you are yes I'm here
2: no 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 hello
0: are you do you have hello? yes I I can I can you keep going in and out like there's a problem with the connection do you have good signal where you are? No,
2: I do not. No, I do not.
0: Okay, start over. You said something about a 17-year-old.
2: Yeah, I, my 17-year-old daughter, um, I had caught her drinking at her graduation party. And... I'm um, um, Hello? Yes, I'm here. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm... Um, she made false allegations that I, um, uh, against me. She called the police. Um, I was put in jail. Um, CPS now is, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't hear on your phone. Ma'am, Hello? I can hear you. Yeah, yes, I'm sorry. I, can hear just, you. I hear beeping. I'm sorry. On my side, I keep hearing a lot of beeping. Um, CPS was called, um, she gave, the, she, I'm sorry, she put me in jail, she made a false statement against me, um, she tried to take it back that same day, they told her to come back, she took the, she took the statement back the next day, my husband took her, CPS gave my daughter to him, um, they released him.
0: We are having technical difficulties hearing you um, it may be a problem with your signal um, if you can get to another phone and if you can hear me uh, please call us back so listeners that's the problem sometimes with um, technology sometimes technology just doesn't work so we were talking about um, topic of suing social workers. I told you the three areas where social workers are generally sued. They take your children wrongfully. Um, Your child gets injured in foster care. And then the third one is where the social worker may Uh, present to the court things that are intentionally false. I also wanted to talk today about a uh, case that I'm involved in, Um, and it involves what's called a 366.26 hearing. At the 366.26 hearing, the social work is usually trying to terminate your parental rights uh, so the child can be freed to be adopted, generally by the foster parent. I'm currently uh, handling a case in Orange County where um, this this is happening. Prior to my involvement, uh, the mother was represented by a court-appointed attorney. Uh, The mother was not satisfied, so she hired our firm to do it, and I'm working on the case. The first thing that I I like to do in doing a defense of a termination case is I like to file a 388, a JV-180 form. And in that form, I explained to the court why uh, my client should either get the child back or be offered additional family reunification services. So I want all you listeners to know that even though your reunification services may have been terminated, you know, 120 days prior, you still can ask the judge and prove to the judge that you should be given more reunification services so that's the number one defense for stopping the termination of your reunification uh, of your parental rights is to file and get a hearing on a 388 petition the number two defense is to ask the judge for a bonding study now one of the primary defenses in a 2-6 hearing to fight off and to stop the termination of your parental rights is to prove to the judge that you have a relationship with the child such that terminating your rights would be detrimental to the child. So a bonding study is usually done by a psychologist or a psychiatrist And they look at your relationship with your child to see if you have that significant bond that should stop the termination of your parental rights. Um, The third thing that I do in preparing for a termination hearing um, is that I try to get witnesses uh, from my client who can come in and testify about the bonding or the relationship between the parent and the child. Now, this may be people who have monitored the visitation, for example, family or friends. Um, It may be the foster parent, his or herself, Um, but anyone that might have knowledge, because the defense of a 2-6 is very, very narrow. So the case I'm involved in, we got the bonding study back. So we filed the 388. And the judge has set the 388 hearing to occur on the same day as the 26 hearing. So presumably, the 388 hearing will go first. If we win, case will be stopped. The client will get the child back or further family reunification services. <clears throat> if we lose, we uh, go straight into the 2-6 hearing, <coughs> excuse me, where the bonding study um, comes up. Now in this particular case, the person who did the bonding study said that the relationship, that there was a very strong relationship from between the mother and the child. And I think the bonding study also said words to the effect that the mother's rights should not be terminated. But it also said that there was a close relationship between the foster mother and the child and that the child should not be removed from the foster mother. Um, the social worker, having read that, and her attorney, are still going forward with trying to terminate the mother's rights. In my mind, you know, and everyone d- doesn't agree with me, but in my mind, th- there's evidence now that the if the judge believes the bonding study, and uh, it's a person who I'm told uh, appears a lot in that court house doing these binding studies, the judge should not terminate the parental rights, but instead should perhaps leave the child with the guardian through, excuse me, leave the child with the foster parent through what's called long-term foster care or legal guardianship. And in either of those events, the child, or excuse me, the parent can come back in the future and uh, file a 388 or get the child custody. So those are the three things i a 366.26 hearing you want to file a 388 petition you want to ask and try to get the bonding study and you want to make sure you get the witnesses who can testify with respect to the relationship between the parent and the child uh, we're running out of time this morning uh, i won't be able to take any more calls uh, but i want to remind people that we are on the air uh, with this show every saturday morning live. To 9 uh, a.m. I also want to uh, remind folks that the the shows are all taped and uh, they're recorded, and there is a transcript of all the shows. Uh, you can get that and you can listen to these shows over and over again at any time 24 7, 365 days a week, excuse me, a year at www.talkradioexperts.com. Next week, I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, the detention hearing and what to do before the social worker files a case against you. There are significant things and substantial things you can do to try to convince the social worker not to file cases against you in the juvenile court. Next Saturday, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. And remember, vote. Vote for family-friendly judges.